What's up, horror fam? You know what time it is. And today we got a special guest. Let's get into this. All right, everybody. Today we are joined by the infamous Nathan Mortalball from Phantom Galaxy. Yes. So, uh, Nathan. Nathan. What's how up? How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I don't know if I've ever been quite described as infamous before, but. That's a uh, that's a good one, you know. You like to make people feel special. Maybe might be good. Yeah. <laughs> the, no, no, the, really elusive, the elusive, like uh, like with Bigfoot, with Sasquatch. <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm uh, I'm really excited to uh, be here and to talk with you guys. Uh, it's been the fun the two times when we've uh, gotten together. Uh, when you come on Phantom Galaxy, we've done the crossover episodes. So uh, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to it. And I'm a big, you know, cryptid fan. So. I'm very excited to come on and talk about uh, cryptids. My kids are big into it too, so they're uh, they were reminding me of all the things I need to mention when I come on. <laughs> we're doing a quiz. They're like, "Okay, did you mention this one? Did you mention this one?" Bill's like, "Make sure you get the Canadian guys in there too." You know, so <laughs> well, that, that's good because I didn't write down any notes. <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah, I didn't really either. I just made those off. I, I made those empty promises and just said, "Let's let's win it." <laughs> <laughs> so we'll do perfect for our show <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh since you mentioned bill um why don't you uh let everyone know about your guys' podcast and stuff and real quick and that way they can find you over there too yeah cool yeah we are over at phantom galaxy at podbean.com you can also find us where most of the uh podcatchers are and where you can find podcasts apple Podcasts, places like that and we are a podcast that focuses on science fiction fantasy and horror uh we cover movies a lot and and uh books, television, things like that. We also, uh, we branch out and we've done episodes where we have had like uh, narrative horror fiction. We've covered some, you know, urban legends and things like that. We do some of the similar, uh, some of the similar stuff you'd find on Horror Chronicles. We, uh, we just recently did an episode about King Kong. We covered all the King Kong films all the way up to Godzilla versus Kong. That is actually just dropping uh, by the time this podcast is out, that'll be up and available. But we do a lot of fun stuff over there. As they mentioned, Bill Van Vagel is my co-host. We have a lot of guests as well, including um, uh, these two gentlemen have been on a few times. And you can find uh, the episode they did where we did VOD roulette. That's a fun thing where Bill just loves to go, go find the cheesiest, cheapest movies usually he possibly <laughs> can find on on whatever whatever streaming service there is. And we don't only cover those, but it's fun. We throw out uh, usually, maybe it's more of a genre. We'll say, let's do a horror or sci-fi. Sometimes we'll throw out a theme, see what everybody picks. But it's a good time. Uh, you can check it out. We have a lot of different things. We're also been covering the X-Files over there as we kind of talk about cryptids oh, yeah. and sort of phenomena. We've done the first season and uh, recorded the second season. The second season was a four-hour episode. So I'm looking Holy for cow. ways to kind of edit that a little. But that's <laughs> next up on the roster. So there's a lot of good stuff over there. We have... We even have too many uh, kind of shows within a show. Someone recently told me they thought Phantom Galaxy was like 10 podcasts in a one podcast bag. So uh, that's kind of how it feels. But we have one called Strange Frequencies that Bill is going to be hosting. We've recorded the first episode and it's all music based. So uh, I, I heard a rumor that we're all, we're going to have some pretty uh, fun guests on to talk about a uh, 80s Stephen King movie. Soon yeah, we would DC, never talk DC about one of those. So we'll see what happens there. And we also have the illustrated fan that covers animation so might might have to have you guys back when we do heavy metal 
and rock oh, yes. and roll. Oh yes, definitely. Yeah. Days, yeah. So you guys are pretty so, dang busy over there in your neck of the woods, then. I mean. Yeah, yeah. I usually I'm I'm usually always about four podcasts behind in terms of getting things. <laughs> you know, there's never a point where I'm like it's flush and we're like, okay, what do we do next? We better record an episode. But then we still do that anyway, and then we're you know now we're six deep or whatever. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. It's gonna be a lot of fun, guys. Awesome, Jesus, awesome. We so are guys, slackers. Jump on over there and check them out too. You know, um, show them love and whatnot. And because um, we go on there and talk, like he said, we've been on their show. Thank twice, twice, um, and. Um, I'm sure there's going to be more. You guys are going to be recurring guests as far as we're concerned. We have a mall <laughs> nice. every time uh, we do it. We That's cool because we love I, I talking with you guys. It's the audience reaction, but we love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Well, hopefully we haven't cost you some audience. <laughs> no, no, no. We cost ourselves audience all the time. So, JT, <laughs> what are we doing tonight? What's so, uh, this was actually uh, Nathan's idea here. Um, you can get talk- the blame out there early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll just throw you right under the bus, right under the front tire. Um, Nathan, uh, you know, had said he wanted to do a cryptid episode with us, and we had done some cryptid episodes and stuff, and we were kind of bouncing ideas back and forth, and all of a sudden, Nathan said, hey, what about sea monsters? And I was like, wow, man, that sounds really cool, and we've never done that before. So, uh, So this is all Nathan's fault. Um, and and that's all right he'll take the blame because i think it's going to turn out really cool uh we've got a lot to talk about tonight and uh i just kind of wanted to read through a little thing that i wrote out and uh just kind of get you in the mood here so uh sea monsters are beings from folklore uh believed to live in the seas oceans and even some rivers uh they are often imagined to be enormous beasts and can take on many forms, including dragons, serpents, or multi-armed beasts. Goro. I've been a multi-armed <laughs> beast for a long time. Goro. <laughs> Psycho Gorman. Um, anyway, uh, so tonight we are going to look into a few, a few of these monsters, give you some backstory, and basically let you guys judge for yourselves on, you know, whether you think these things are you know, truly hidden in the depths or are merely figments of our imagination. Um, there's a lot to get into. Uh, these cases happen all over the world. A lot of these come from mythology. A lot of them are from speculation. Um, but there's some merit to all of these stories. Mm. Yeah. So See, with that being said, let's get into let's this. get into it. I knew you were going to say that, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it was crazy to me is that I I have only been to the ocean technically twice, and I didn't go very deep into it, so <laughs> I didn't get to very far off the beach. So that's what his wife said. Yes. Oh. Hey, it's a, it's a race. You ain't first or last. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, that's true. you know, um, when it comes to ocean monsters or sea creatures, you know, it's a uh, that's to me more scary than cryptids that are on land because when you get to the water, it, you, it's a whole nother ball game. You know, you got a chance to run away possibly on land or a chance to do something when, when it comes to water, even with just sharks, you got no chance. That's their domain. And, uh, you're pretty much done for. That's the way I look at it. So yeah, that, that's, that's yeah. terrifying. You know, uh, sharks are one of the fastest things in the ocean. Yeah. Um, Besides me getting away from and, sharks. And what's really weird is, is uh, in fact, I just read the stat today that a, a shark 
could actually hear you talking underwater uh, a half a mile away. Man. Yep, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Even though a grizzly bear can smell you from four miles away. Well, especially you. Yes. <laughs> hey, I don't want to hear about that. <laughs> Anyways, Nathan, what's, uh, what's, some, uh, what's your thoughts on the old sea creature deal? What's, what should we get into here? Well, it makes me realize, too, what you were just talking about, the grizzly bear and the shark, that the best possible next sci-fi original should be like, you know, the shark grizzly or the, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, no crap. bear jaws or something bear like jaws. that. That's probably out there already. I'm just going to say. You're probably right. Like <laughs> hammerhead Dr. grizzly. Bear or hammerhead grizzly. I like the, the sound of that. And if not, I'm sure it will be once we're done here. No, We're making a movie. Yeah. When growing up, it's funny because I we didn't go to the water very often. We had we did have some friends that lived uh, on, you know, eastern shore on the edge of the Chesapeake Bay. And we'll get into that. And I actually have a story related to that. But I think what was always fascinating from the perspective of the of the cryptozoological element or the idea of the hidden animals is kind of what Ryan was getting at, that under the water, there's just a greater sense of elusiveness and mystery. And you, as a human being, if you're the sole person in the water or you're in the water, you're much more vulnerable than you sort of are perhaps on land. Even if you are a swimmer, you can't exactly see so far down or what's beneath you. And the assumption would be anything that's living in there has the advantage. And so that was always very creepy to me, the idea of something just sort of coming upon you immediately. And and then you're sort of uh, under siege. The other part is I grew up as a dinosaur kid, a big fan of dinosaurs. And I think it was that love of dinosaurs that sort of got me into the crypto element because that you, you very quickly strike onto the idea of, well, what if the dinosaurs were still around? Like I mentioned recently, one of my earliest film memories of any film memory that I have was seeing King Kong sitting on my dad's lap, you know, and watching, uh, let me rephrase that. King Kong was not sitting on my dad's lap. He was sitting on my dad's lap watching King Kong. <laughs> just, just so you don't think that my house was super weird or anything. And, <laughs> But in that film, those skull island elements where, it, you know, at one point you have a sea creature that crawls up out of the water mm-hmm. and over the rocks and it attacks Andero and there's a brontosaurus that emerges out of the water. But that first, even my first uh, kind of interaction with those creatures on screen was in the Lost World element, the idea that they're out there somewhere and they're hidden. And the first, uh, no, it wasn't the first, I think the second movie I ever saw at the theater was a Disney movie made in 1985 called Baby, the Secret of the Lost Legend. Have you guys oh, ever yeah. seen it? I've yeah. seen that one. First, not not great dinosaurs in that movie, but actually <laughs> it's interesting because that film was actually based off of a crypt of a cryptid of Makila Mabembe in the Congo and the idea that they were but possibly a tribe of like apatosauruses, of brontosauruses living out in the Congo region. And there were tribes that are reported sort of eating one and getting sick and things like that. And this whole movie, Sean uh Sean Young and I think William uh Cat from The Greatest American Hero were in the movie. Again, it's not great, but the, the, there's two touch points and some other ones. Most of the dinosaur uh, movies that were out there kind of always related to them being uh, hidden in our world and available. And the thought would be, if they were hiding anywhere, how would you, you know, it's a little, it's, it's easy to believe maybe that Sasquatch or some sort of large uh, anthropoid is hiding in a redwood forest somewhere. But it'd be much harder, I think, to conceive that there are dinosaurs hiding anywhere other than, say, at the bottom of the ocean or in some very deep body of water. It seemed like the only place to conceal something prehistoric 
of that size and veracity would be in the depths. And so the, my mind kind of turned to sea monsters and lake monsters. And I think that's what piqued my imagination. You could literally have almost anything there. And growing up a kid as a big fan of National Geographic, uh, and in the 80s, when they were really starting to explore what they could do with sonar and submarines, mm -hmm. and you're suddenly, you know, you're seeing these this footage from deeper in the ocean than we've ever been, and we're seeing these new species sort of come up. And hearing that story that of course happened, you know, decades before I was born, but finding the coelacanth that existed at the same time as a lot of these prehistoric animals and that that was still out there in the ocean. Uh, it just, just a really sparked my imagination. And so not necessarily did it happen because I had some sort of experience initially, or I felt prone to believe in say sea monsters or something else. It just seems like the sea is an awesome mysterious place and it seems like the most likely place i would say we would be likely to find something uh close to alien or close to prehistoric living among us oh 100 yeah. you know uh the uh earth's surface the ocean covers 75 percent of the earth's surface so if you look at that uh we can only get to such a depth um, there is so much of the earth that is unexplored, even it, today's technology. We're getting closer. We're getting closer every decade. We get a little deeper and a little farther in. Sound like my life. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, Ryan's sex life excluded. Um, I thought it was going the other direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, there's so many things that, you know, Look at what happened in 2004. In 2004, they found this massive giant squid. Oh, yeah, yeah. They mm -hmm. believed, you know, had been extinct for years. You mentioned the Sela <laughs> camp earlier. Uh, you know, the this giant massive squid that they found, um, could it possibly be what the, you know, sailors and stuff back then considered to be? Sorry, cracking. My wife texted me something. I gotta. I don't understand. Go ahead. Sorry. You don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> but uh, you know, there's so much out there, and there's so much we don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, we've. I know there's a new um, deep. I know Challenger Deep was the deepest that they had mm -hmm. thought, but there's something new, right? They found that was deeper than Challenger Deep. I think. Oh, uh, possibly. I'm, yeah, I'm not really sure on that. And, you know, talk about creatures. Uh, have you seen the video? There's a video out there of, I, I know it's on an um, oil station, an oil rig mm -hmm. out there, of like the crab, the giant crab looking. Have you seen that, Nathan? Yes. Mm -hmm. Dude, that is creepy as hell. Really? <laughs> Something really? out of a nightmare. Yeah, well, you, you know. Uh, right. If you took any of these things and increased their size to yeah. the size of that giant squid, it's it's frightening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, the, 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 the squid that they found, um, they actually, they have one in a museum, uh, and it measured out at 42 feet. But they, they have seen one in the ocean that has measured out over 48 feet in yeah. length. That's, I mean, you know, you're talking something the size of an oil tanker. That's crazy. You know, See, that, they're swimming around. And that's that. And what's weird about a, a squid, if you look at, so their tentacles are covered with these suckers all over them. Okay. Well, these suckers, 
if you look at them, they've got like barbed teeth coming out. Mm. Now, if you think about that and you think about how people looked at stuff way back when, I could see where somebody would mistake but you know one of these giant squids for uh, you know something like the kraken yeah you know yeah well i mean or was that an actual creature back in the day or was there you know actually a kraken and is it still there well and right so the the, the kraken is kind of described in such a way in some of the old paintings of it looked very much like okay that's plausibly a squid or an octopus right, right but then right. the sea serpents i think you come to the similar possibility is did somebody see a single tentacle or a single uh, piece of one of these things and make that assumption. And certainly I think when you look at the older uh, records we have, if you go all the way back to St. Brendan when they're talking about the sea serpents and things like that, mm-hmm. those early nautical records where you're really at a medieval point where you're still a point where some people think you can sail off the earth, you know, our, our scientific <laughs> knowledge at that point is, is feeling a little bit embellished, which is why we have things like people thinking there are sea monks and sea mermaids and, you know, selkies and all of these other sort of mythical things that, that, that uh, the sailors spoke about. But I think that there is enough of the knowledge we have now that you can kind of see analogs for all of that. I don't think it makes those creatures any less fascinating. And I'm not suspecting that we're going to ever pull a mermaid or a sea monk or whatever out of the ocean yeah. and, and find a sort of humanoid uh, fish creature. I suppose we, we could. But I, the idea that we seem to have found, I think, a reasonable amount of things that are analogs for what those sailors did see does suggest that there are some, probably some pretty big things out there, you know, that we, as you pointed out, we're still sort of seeing the tip of the iceberg. If you were to ask me what's the most likely of whether it's sea monsters or Bigfoot or aliens, you know, I I would, I want to believe in all of them. <laughs> I think sea monsters seem the most plausible. Yeah. I don't know. I've met some people that I think they may be aliens. <laughs> oh, yeah, know. yeah. But uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe sea people as well. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, these things in the sea, it just, it's fascinating, you know, um, what's down there? What, what exactly. are we not seeing? Exactly. Well, you know, and if something was big enough and wanted to, you know, stay dormant or at least away from everyone, it has plenty of places to go in the, in the ocean. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Um, they would be able to hide somewhere deep. You know, look at that. There's the cracking right there. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was a lot of things that people would see, like, uh, I don't remember exactly what they called these things. I think they were, uh, globulins. Yes. Yes. The, yeah, when globulins. the wash up on the beach. Yeah. 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 Well, come to find out they figured, they figured out that that was uh decaying bits of, uh, blue whales. Oof. Yeah. And, and also that in some cases, I think there's a couple of cases where they found like the decaying, like, uh, remains of like an octopus or something but when these things are right. pulled up on the on the ship they would be decayed in such a way there's one famous one that i'm thinking of that that looked very much as if they i think it was in new zealand they pulled it up in an, from the 70s and it looked like a plesiosaur if you looked at it the right way and closed one of yeah. your eyes yeah. you know <laughs> that's the picture we're actually looking at i've got a uh, i've oh, got nice. a book called the encyclopedia horrifica and they've got a oh, section sweet. in there about sea creatures. 
You oh, know, is this where I get to? I, don't, I haven't written any books myself, but I can plug some of my favorite books. <laughs> I've got a pile sitting here as well. Um, they're not ones that I don't even know if they're in print anymore, so it won't probably matter. But did you guys <laughs> ever? Uh, you guys remember Daniel Cohen? Uh, yeah. For, in the seventies and eighties, he was big, and I mean, he had books all across the urban legends and monsters thing. Mm-hmm. I have uh, one of my favorites as a kid. It was the Encyclopedia of Monsters. Nice. He did. Nice. And I recently found a copy of it because my kids were so into it, and they cover all of the. Yeah, they have all the pictures we've just been talking about, and anyone who's out there who's really into that. Uh, Look for a copy. I got it for about six or seven bucks. It's totally oh, awesome. They nice. have them categorized according to like locales. So you or mm-hmm. and and types. So the the phantom kangaroo is in here. The uh, the coelacanth and uh, most of the things we're probably talking about today. But uh, they're really cool. I also have one. You guys have probably come across this. It's cryptozoology A to Z. Yes, mm. I have this seen one. that. This before. is another one. It's very similar to the Encyclopedia of Monsters, but they're really cool if you're looking to give something to somebody, uh, yeah. particularly like a younger person, and they just want to experience it for the first time. And I've, I'm curious. I was about to ask, what is this one? Because I'm very yeah. Uh, so this is the it. one I'm talking about. It's called the Encyclopedia oh, Horrifica, and it's just got a small section in it about sea creatures, but it gets into like vampires and you know, horror movies and there's just, is that a newer book? No, it's an older book. Is uh, that one of those lifetime deals? Or time no, no, life this deals? was, a, this was uh, written by a guy named Joshua G and it's uh, the terrifying truth about vampires, ghosts, monsters, and more. Okay. Uh, that looks like that needs to be a, uh, uh, a, a gift. Either yeah, from very, my son very, or my daughter. I can't cool tell book. which one's more into them. Yeah, very very cool. awesome. It's pretty. There's cool. there's some cool stuff in there. It's not a very big book. There's a lot of pictures, so I like it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the most fun about these sorts of books. That's one of the problems with some of the other ones, the ones that were written in the seventies or eighties, because the, it was so easy to just get a black and white stock photo, right? And throw it, not stock photo, but it's got all the famous pictures. I liked it when they went a step further and got your artist to do some renditions. Yeah. Well, you know, see, it's, it's got some cool photos like this of uh, the Kraken. Yeah, perfect. I love that. Uh, I used to have a sea monster book that had that on the very front cover. So my, I think my all-time favorite images of like a, a sea creature. See, you and know, that's the one I was thinking of. And if you think about it, um, you know, you t- we talked about aliens and sea creatures and things like that. And if you just look at the octopus, you know, um, as a creature, yeah, uh, it's crazy the things they can do. Yeah. The, the, oh, yeah. the size they can get their bodies down into. Mm-hmm. They can completely camouflage themselves to where you can't even see them. Right. And pretty quickly. And they and can if change. they get a hold of you, you're not going to survive. It's pretty bad. Yeah, because they're pretty strong. And so just imagine if that was just like you said earlier, bigger. Yeah. It could probably be bigger. There's it, probably giant octopus sure that we don't even know of. Well, look at these, squid, these giant squid that they found. And that's what I'm saying. So if a giant octopus was out there, it sees what's going on. It's probably like, okay, I got to get away from these people. It could be hiding in the depths and be camouflaged, and we wouldn't even right. know it. Right. You know, right. if you looked at it, basically, if an octopus fell out of the sky, we'd be like, "Oh my god, it's an alien." <laughs> that would be pretty terrifying. If octopuses yeah. start Especially falling out of the sky, the everyone's going <laughs> to right. If octopuses start coming from the sky, everyone's going to be like, "See, H.P. Lovecraft was right." <laughs> yeah. You oh my god, that's the next movie, Octopus NATO. <laughs> Octonado, right? Yeah. Octonado. You, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I mean, very easily we would consider that an alien. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And I mean, just the way. I mean, even with them being underwater, they hook alien to us. That's what I'm saying. And then, like, they could completely camouflage. Yeah. I mean, they can shrink their bodies into nothing. They're very smart. Yeah. Um, it's well, I don't know. I never had a conversation with one, but well, you know, they studies say they're very smart. Yeah, that's from smart Your new people. Co-host could be an octopus. We can see how yeah. that goes. Yeah. It wouldn't be much of a difference. <laughs> <laughs> from what the women tell me, he's like an octopus anyway. Yeah. No. <laughs> Can't keep his hands off of. I'm him. like Danny Carey from Tool. <laughs> they call me the human oh, octopus. No. <laughs> oh, God. oh God. Anyways. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's so. I, how about the bloop? The bloop. The bloop. Okay. The bloop. So, Are you guys familiar with the bloop? Yes. I am. I am. Yes. But I'm going to let you talk about it. Go okay. ahead. Since you mentioned it. <laughs> right. And this was – my memory of this, and let me double check, it was in like the late 90s. I want to say 1998. No, it looks like 97. Uh, and it was an ultra-low-frequency underwater sound, and they weren't sure – what actually made it. It was detected by the NOAA, the National Ocean and Atmospheric mm-hmm. Administration. It was in the South Pacific, and they thought that when initially that it would have been a sound made potentially by something very large, probably a marine mammal. I mean, initial thought might be that it's a whale, but if you've heard the sound, it is not very whale-like. Right. Uh, I don't think exactly. You know, the other thing is due to the nature of the sound. Uh, now, Later on, you know, everyone kind of comes comes through and uh, kind of rains on our parades. You know, in 2012, the NOA said that the sounds really, it's more consistent with the noises that are generated by uh, cryosisms, basically like almost like an ice quake or ice caving down mm-hmm. in the sea. Mm-hmm. So the sound that was heard could be this, you know, or is that just the government trying to throw us off the trail? I don't know. But uh, I don't think that either, that either explanation was obviously conclusive. Uh, they were just pointing out that the sound was potentially very similar to things they had seen in regards to ice caving. Uh, a lot of people, of course, particularly the crypto fans, uh, say that, you know, there still doesn't rule out the idea that this couldn't have been made by something large, but they were saying that the bloop, it basically would have to be made by some sort of animal that was larger than a certain size. They were saying like 250 feet in length. Yeah. So, but the other thing is not all animals, you know, their size isn't always an reflection of their, of the sound they make. Oh, you know, yeah. Some animals make sounds and you can't compare one sound to, uh, you hear my daughter scream and she's only six years old and just a little thing. But, you know, the, the idea here was that what made the sound seemingly if it was a mammal, particularly that it would have to be relatively large and larger than what they would previously encountered in terms of whales. Yeah. Again, more likely the scientific explanation seems to be that it was ice breaking off the Antarctic shelf. That's not a lot of fun to talk about. What do you no. guys think? No. Um, <clears throat> I think that, do we know what depth it came from? Ye, let me double check. Uh, I believe that we do. Um, yeah, because I mean that would that would be a huge factor in yeah. whether or not you would hear. What what is that? The transatlantic rift. Yeah, whatever, which is yeah. like the deepest yeah. thing in the in the ocean. You know, uh, they claim that nothing can live down there. Yeah, they that they know of. That they know. That of, they know. Of. You know. 
I mean, <laughs> right. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, it's you know always that way until we find the thing, right? Exactly. Uh, you know, honestly, it, it could have been anything. Um, it could have been just the movement of a large whale. You know that. Uh, you know, the water makes some funny noises when you do stuff on it. You know? But see, the, yeah, yeah, especially well, when you fart. <laughs> right. I think the fact that it was the ultra low frequency was the part that they were uh, well, kind of hung up on in a what sense. What if it was Godzilla? Godzilla. Could have been, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and that the sound, if you listen to the sound, it certainly sounds, it sounds animal-like, but mm-hmm. it doesn't sound. And it was, um, it was detected by sensors that were up to about uh, 3,000 miles apart. So it's got to be it, it, this, yeah. that's the it's the amplification of it right that was kind of generating the interest. It's farther that's much farther uh, than any whale noises previously recorded right. or any kind of animal noise. So that and ninety seven the thought process is if this is an animal sound, then how is it mag- how are we catching it that far apart by sensors that are positioned to that far you know, apart? because that's pretty uh impressive that makes sense you know as far as that though but a lot of things are crazy i mean like i talked about earlier like with the grizzly bear a grizzly bear can smell you like four maybe even more maybe i can't remember how many miles it's it's ridiculous yeah they can smell you from that distance so i look at it is it's like possibly what could have happened with that is um with the sensors anyway being three thousand miles apart if it was the earth maybe the earth itself was moving that far away too uh, like a tectonic plate well, yeah shift like a tectonic plate shift or something right um uh but i'm like you i like to think of it maybe there's a monster down there you know it's um you never know they they find stuff all the time and they're like wow that's crazy we never thought that existed or they find it and we don't hear about it until 60 years later right um but like a perfect example of that is uh, you're talking about like an animal that sounds like it shouldn't and me working for the company I work for, you know, I run into a lot of dogs. You would think that a basset hound weighs about 245 pounds the way it sounds. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because when they bark, I mean, you're like, that's a big dog. And they come, you know, plopping around the corner with their you know feet this long. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, you, you never know um, what's there. And like with the science thing, me and JT joke with each other a lot about it because me and him, he sees everything more scientifically. <coughs> and I see things more, who knows, you know? Well, science, except for this episode. You're I the romantic. Weird stuff, right? Yes, science <laughs> isn't always right. Science also used to tell, doctors used to tell us that smoking was good for you. So uh, <laughs> science isn't always correct. But um, I like to think there's something down there. I mean... Like how? What's the what's the percentage that we haven't even investigated of the sea? There's a huge percentage still, right? I mean, it's it's yeah. fairly large. So I guarantee you. And the more, like you said, the more and more further we go down, the crazier things like angelfishes and things like that that we see. I mean, shoot, you look at angelfish. Imagine that thing weighing about you know two thousand pounds. That'd be terrifying. <laughs> well, some of the really freaky things we found very, very far down, you know, where they're living without light of any kind. And uh-huh. some of these invertebrates where, you know, what would be the limit on a size of something like that? You know, you know, I heard a really, I heard a really cool story from a, um, a Navy SEAL. Um, he was on a podcast and he was talking about like, they were talking about ocean. They actually talked about the, the bloop and all that. Um, but he was saying that um, they had these motorized 
Navy SEALs have these motorized, uh, like, little mini submarine things that wrap around mm-hmm. your head yeah. so they can travel underwater for a long distance. And it, he's like, we're pretty deep down. And when he was inside this thing, you know, and basically his head's inside of it. It rides around the shoulders, and he can breathe in it, and he can see what's going on. But, like, he was talking about how it's so dark down there, you can't really see very far in front of you, you know, like, from here to here. But you feel things moving against you. You know, and he was talking about one time he felt something very, very, very large, like the size of like a small, uh, like a killer whale rub up a side of That's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he, he tried to turn around because he's like, what the hell is that? You know, yeah. Get, couldn't see it, but he felt it again on the other side of him. And he was like, nothing happened with it, but he's like, that was the most terrifying thing I've ever done. Wow. Well, so, my, my brother-in-law used to scuba dive a lot and uh he was in the army and he was stationed in hawaii and so that's where he learned how to scuba dive and he was out one time and actually uh uh ran into a tiger shark Ooh. and uh he said there's nothing like you know you're out there and you can see a little ways ahead of you but you're you know you're scubing along or sw- whatever the hell you're doing and all of a sudden, he said, out of the darkness, here comes a shark. Right? <laughs> and he said, I didn't know what to do. He said, all I did was flipped over on my back and kicked it with my fin right in the nose. <laughs> and he said, I can't believe it. It turned around and swam away. <laughs> he said, I got my ass out of the water. <laughs> Thank goodness it was just a tiger shark. Yeah. Right? I was going to say, yeah, because if it was like a uh, – what if there's a, um, really aggressive ones? Um, they're the smaller. Bull shark. Bull sharks. There's, yeah. They're smaller, yeah. but they're freaking aggressive little bastards. Yeah, your oh, foot yeah. comes at you. They're like, "Ooh, let's enjoy this." Oh, so, yeah. And I, jellyfish like freaks me out, like in general, yeah. not like, like your average little jellyfish, but the concept of like a giant jellyfish. Oh like, yeah, then that would be kind of horrifying. Or a flying jellyfish, which are <laughs> which are reported from time to time. Are you guys familiar with this? Yeah, I I have seen uh, seen stories about them. The photograph, the Dutch flying jellyfish, yeah. atmospheric jellyfish, I think they call them, where people see them in the uh, in the sky, and they're sure they're sure that they're jellyfish. Well, they're more likely. Uh, I think it's been pointed out that they're probably more likely space debris. That uh, when it comes into the atmosphere and the way it's playing with the lights, you get what really does looks like a UFO, but it also looks like a jellyfish kind of. Right, so the right. Photographs yeah. are interesting. I do. I think they're jellyfish. Not exactly, but no. it's another one of those. I kind of wish they were flying jellyfish. That'd be kind of cool. I would. I don't personally want to run into a flying jellyfish, but. Well, <laughs> speaking of UFOs, did you guys see? Mm-hmm. Since we're talking about sea creatures, have you seen the recent news with the? Uh, was it a, was it a uh, aircraft carrier as pit, pictures and video of these triangular giant things under the water? I hadn't seen that. No, no, I don't think so. I, I don't think I have either. Uh, Dude, it, it's it's it just just came out like uh, last week, I think. Wow, um, it's pretty crazy. Um, basically, it looks like giant. What looks like giant? Uh, oh, freaking stingrays. But they're not. They're like a thousand times larger, wow. <laughs> you know. Um, but it, the military said that they're that they have come out and admit that they're unidentified objects. Um, and with that, um, same thing with the TikTok one we talked mm-hmm. about before. It said that there was another something underneath the water. That that TikTok was coming. It was, that well, it went from or whatever. Well, it went from you know whatever sixty miles up straight down the six 
six feet above the water and underneath the water, there was something else under the water that was coming up. Huh? Pretty crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, realistically, it, it, as far as that goes, I mean, like we said, anything could be hiding in the water. Here's something interesting I ran into that's not has doesn't have anything to do with sea creatures, but it's under the water. I did not know that at Pearl Harbor, there's a huge American flag hanging from the ship that's underneath the water, and they replace that flag every three years. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Either. I never knew that. It's crazy. There was a I actually saw that on Yahoo the other day. Yep. Somebody had uh, one of the news places that put up a post and it was showing the scuba diver down there putting a new flag up yeah uh pretty cool that you know it's it's that's kind of our realm of stuff like as far as like paranormal stuff would go if if that place is haunted down there imagine being ghost underwater yeah you know yeah but um back to the creature thing oh man i it's almost like uh you're guaranteed that there's there's something down there that a hundred percent. Well, there, there we know for sure there's prehistoric animals down right. there, right? Because like an alligator is prehistoric, basically. You know, it, it's been around for how long? I mean, it's got to break just a couple of years. You know, just a little bit <laughs> in the history of the earth. A couple of years, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I think people would be just like with the universe. I think people would be stupid, even on our own, our own little planet, to think that there's not something. I mean, down there, that's got to be. Uh, you see that movie? I'm sure you got kids. I'm sure you've seen it. Uh, Monster Trucks. Have you seen yeah, that? Yeah, you know what? That's a fun movie, actually. I'm glad yes. you mentioned it. No one talks about that movie. Yeah. And and I had no expectations for it, but when it came out, my kids wanted to see it. And at that point in time, I was still doing the film critic thing, so we got kind of free screenings. And I took them to see that screening of that movie, and it was a lot of fun. It was a fun yes. little, almost like, it felt like something you'd see in the 80s, where these sea creatures have essentially got up inside of, they, into a monster truck. I mean, I honestly enjoyed it more than the Transformers movies. I thought it was a fun kind of kid See, what's cool about this, well, why it's point, why it has to do with what we're talking about is, is that it's uh, basically about these guys drilling for oil. So they're drilling for oil, and um, that, you know, they're supposed to make sure there's no, animals or right, creatures that right. habitats out there they'll destroy right. well they f- end up finding these monsters they drill deep enough and these yeah, things come true. up out of the ground and it's actually a really fun movie for kids you know and they turn them into trucks <laughs> well the trucks they, are like the hide like the way to hide them it's like a shell it's uh, like a uh, basically these things have they generate energy so instead of having a motor it would wrap around your axles and it would generate its own energy mm-hmm. you'd be able to go it's it's pretty it's a fun little movie for kids. It's it's completely like ludicrous, but it is enjoyable at the same time. Yeah, and it's made for kids. Um, well, even the recent movie, if you're you know, um, underwater. I don't know if you guys saw that one with Kristen hmm. Stewart. Uh, I watched that one with my kids too. It's a it's a PG thirteen. It's more of a horror film. It's definitely not a like made for children. But that movie sort of posits some of the same things in terms of that concept of. Uh, the oil drilling or the encroaching. I mean, that's kind of how we expect to, and that's really how we've encountered most of the cryptids that are still alive that we found, you know, some of it's through exploration, but isn't most of the time it's because we've encroached into a habitat. Mm -hmm. And once there a fishing trawler pulls something up or we discover something. And so it seems plausible that the next thing we would meet, maybe because we have encroached upon its territory and i i actually quite enjoyed have you guys seen underwater 
I have not. No. No, I seen it on my little my cue list thing. And yeah. I recommend it. It's a fun movie, particularly if you enjoy that sort of thing. It's almost a cross between uh, The Abyss and Aliens. Oh, okay. Uh, and it's uh, it's uh, to me, it's it, it it harkens back to movies like Leviathan and Deep Star Six, things like oh, that. Oh yeah. That, uh, I almost just watched Leviathan it, the other day. You know, it that's a fun one. And, we covered we covered some of what you just said in our uh, last episode that we did with you, our VOD roulette uh, with that. Dark yeah, was that's the true. Night. Yeah, uh, dark was. Yeah, the night. that's like I was just thinking. I was like, this conversation sounds familiar. Yeah. It's because we were having it before. But I, it, it is a very compelling idea, and our hope, of course, is that what we what we encounter doesn't end up being something that will wipe us out, right? You know, whether yeah. through some sort of viral element or you know that's. That's also big is the idea that we encounter something that will just uh, bring a bring an end to us. Well, is that, and that's their concern with the whole melting of the ice caps, right? Is the the gases and things that are trapped inside the ice. They're worried about it coming out um, and prehistoric gases and not knowing what they are and, and this and that. That was basically the plot behind the thing. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Um, yes, I'm a, well, that's the other element, right? Is the idea that what if what's under the water wasn't originally under the water, but was from space? You know, we've seen that yeah. played out a lot. Most most prominently, probably in a movie like The Abyss, which to me is still an excellent movie. I, I know that technically, what happens there, there, um, there, we're not we're not into the angry aliens as much, but that's a that's a really good movie. That movie always sort of captured my imagination when you come to what's under. <laughs> that the reminds water. me. That reminds me of your guys' last episode over at uh, Phantom Galaxy um, <laughs> with uh, Bill's little uh, movie, The Bog. The Bog? bog. <laughs> the Bog's a good way to transition, right, to from 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 the, the sea monsters to the lake and swamp and whatever other monsters, right? Because I yeah. think that's when you kind of move away from the concept of the ocean is so big, anything could be down there. Uh, it becomes a little harder maybe to believe in the lake and the sea monsters or the lake and the river monsters, but they're almost more kind of cozy in a sense because they you have ownership of them, you know, wherever yeah. you live, you sort of have a, a, a lake or, or uh, river or bog monster. That movie, The Bog, <laughs> you guys really need to see it. It's amazing. But that's what they were talking about. It's on Prime for free. And they were talking nice. about that on there, and they were saying that um, basically why I brought it up is because he said, you know, disturbing their habitat. That's what happens, you know. Mm-hmm. Throw the dynamite on there, and it blows up, and it wakes up this creature who's been underneath the ground forever, however long. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's highly like That's how anything attacks you, really. You end up yeah, disturbing. I mean, look at, look at, you know, Night of the Zombie, or Night of the Living Dead. And, yes. You know, Dawn of the Dead. And- Night of the Lepus. With the yeah. giant rabbits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bunch of killer rabbits. Oh, my God. Giant rabbits. I love that one because they just, you know, forget the bunny costume. We're just going to do, like, that macro photography of a rabbit yeah. and put it in a little fake town and hop it around <laughs> in slow motion to make it spooky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but do you guys have any favorite, like, lake or river monsters? So I'm, I'm going to bring one up that, that you mentioned, and I'm going to kind of let you get into it because I didn't write a lot down on it. Um, but I'm going to talk about the the proper name for this is Ichvizhji, um, which is Scottish, and it's the water horse, and it is affectionately known as Kelpie. Kelpie. <laughs> Kelpie. <laughs> there you go. I like I like Ryan's. Uh, Kelpie. R- r- yeah, that's. I'm forty. I'm like forty five percent Irish. 
That's what, that's, that's what, what comes out. All 45% of it was right there. Yeah. <laughs> Canopy. Yeah. Canopy. Yeah. I, that's what my DNA, uh, that 21 and me says anyway, or whatever. 45%. So, yeah. So, anyway, I thought we'd have a cool little conversation about Kelpie. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, this is – I think this is where we kind of verge more from – and you kind of have to, really. To get full enjoyment as a cryptid fan, you kind of have to be able to just go to the mythology and say it is what it is. Like, And that's what a lot of my stuff of, ended up being. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's what I – I mean, I'm, I'm probably not the cryptid fan that is 100% like I've got to find it to enjoy it. I just – I just love the the idea of these things. Do I wish they were true? Well, some of them are pretty terrifying. In in uh, most terms, this is actually a, kind of a terrifying one. Yeah, I always thought it was super freaky as a kid. Actually, as an idea, you know, yeah. the okay. idea of the kelpie, because um, it's a lot like the idea of the mermaid. I mean, it's a, it. There's always that story when inside of the mythology that 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 posts this concept that instead of having this giant beast rear up out of the ocean or the river or whatever and eat you, it's going to lure you in. Uh, not unlike, this is interesting because these legends are really, really old, but it's essentially what an angler fish does, right? It yeah. puts a lure of a certain kind out there. Uh, the song of a beautiful maiden or a beautiful Siren. woman on the, on the sea edge. Yes, exactly. And then it lures you in. And this one is it shows up as a horse, right? And that it can even be on land as a horse or it's in the water, partially submerged. And the idea was it would show up usually... Uh, it could also turn into a woman and lure men in, mm-hmm. but the stories or, I always heard was that it was tended or a man uh, that it would it would tend to actually lure in children. You know, kids say, "Oh, here's a lost pony," and when the child would get on the pony to ride it uh, or or touch it, it would sort of entangle them and then drag them into the water. And at this point, once it's in the water, it would it could swim. And it, the other part that's super creepy is I had always heard that it's sort of like the skin became almost like a tar or like a jellyfish adhesive. Uh, you, yeah. the, once you were on it, you would become mired in it. And then once you're on its back, you can't get loose. You can't roll off. And it would drag you to the bottom and it would then eat you. And this is so weird is the stories I remember that we eat everything but your heart. <laughs> so <laughs> your heart which is weird usually it's like okay it eats the heart but it would eat everything and eat your heart uh, out baby yeah yeah exactly but no everything but the heart i don't want the heart so the, the idea is that you can't get away from it once you're once you're on it that's the end and but you still are going to be subjected to this ride where it's going to basically ride you into the water and then swim to the bottom of the the water and you probably drown before you're eaten all of that's pretty terrifying stuff oh yeah absolutely. oh yeah especially when it's children um, absolutely and there there are other yeah. there are other myths about it about like you don't even necessarily have to get on it you can it, it, even if you touch it you won't be able to get your hand off of it and then it will just drag you under the water that way. Um, you know, you kind of look at these myths and you think, okay, where did that come from? There's got to be some sort of form of truth behind it. Yeah, kill um, And, uh, you know, then why, why did it become so uh rampant you know i mean it it was told in numerous different places i mean this came from 
uh, Norse mythology talked about it. The Scots, the uh, there were, ah, I, I just drew a blank. But anyway, um, what exists in Japanese mythology as well? Japanese, like the, yes. Yeah. And um, um, yeah, and these things, you know, was it to kind of keep the kids away from the water? Yeah, you know, you kind of wonder how these stories came about. Yeah, and I mean that makes sense to me. You know, um, you, you tell kids things to keep them away out of trouble, and then mm-hmm. that just spreads from there. Because um, yeah. you know, and usually the cautionary part is born out of the adult's fear, right? Yeah, so right. the cautionary tale to keep you out is based off of my fear of what you might do. In this case, being drowned. And so, if you look even beyond the water horses, look at uh, La Llorona, you know, which mm-hmm. is a, yeah. a female. But, you know, uh, there have been reports and there have been variations or variants on the legend that have even added in the idea that La Llorona, I was listening to a podcast recently and one of the uh, ladies that was reporting it said that her grandmother used to tell her that La Llorona actually had a horse's head, like would show up. So that's even kind of frightening. Drowned woman's body, horse's head. Uh, But when I heard that, I instantly thought back to this, you know, with this... uh, (laughs) <laughs> to this 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 uh, component of the water horses. And I guess the Scottish one is probably so prominent because when you think of the idea of the water horse and then the paintings I would see would have that horse head kind of coming up out of the water but surrounded by kelp and seaweed and stuff like yeah, that, right. which is really freaky kind of looking, although it isn't that far off right from the concept of the Loch Ness Monster of that no, head, that longer head sort of emerging from the water. And in fact, in point in fact, there was a children's book written called The Water Horse that was later made into a film where the water horse encounter doesn't drown people, but it is essentially the Loch Ness Monster. This, yeah, this yeah. little boy is trying to hide. It's another movie very similar some ways to Monster Trucks in the sense of the, it's during the, uh, this one is set at a period piece during the World War, and the little boy, uh, as the troops are encroaching on Loch Ness, he's trying to find a way to keep his friend safe, you know, the yeah. that lives in the water. You but, know, um, and uh, talking about kelp, then that's probably what part of where it came from. You know, once a kid falls into the water, the kelp, yeah. Kelp and seaweed and that stuff, it just wraps around you and takes that's how a lot of people die. Right. Trying to fight their way out and then they get wrapped up. And then, like you said, with the mythology of mm-hmm. you know, you're stuck in it and you can't get away. You know, it's yeah. it's forming around you. Um but yeah, I mean that, that, that's where a lot of that stuff comes from is uh like you said, parental fear or just precautionary tales of why you shouldn't do this, why you shouldn't do that. Um, you know, uh it I'm trying to think back when I was a kid, my parents, maybe that's why I'm so messed up, but my parents never really gave me any precautionary tales. They're just like, uh, don't do that. Try not to die. Yeah. Yeah. Don't die. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you know, know, I always got the weird ones. Like don't cross your eyes. They'll stick that lid. Yes. I have heard Um, that. (laughs) I've heard that. You're going to, yeah. They're more worried about you being disfigured and drowned. (laughs) (laughs) That, That one I'm not as familiar with, but Okay. Yeah. Is that from eating so many peanut butter and jelly yeah, sandwiches? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't stop playing with that thing, it's going to fall off. That's bull. Oh. Hey, I tested that theory. Bullshit. <laughs> this stunts the growth. Nothing else happens. Yeah, yeah you definitely hit. Yeah. That's what happened. I got you. I got you. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, I, yeah, that water horse concept, I think, was always creepy just because of this idea of of it luring you in and it looking like something benign, like a horse. And just the idea, like, you know, the water horse. And uh, then they, they go even further with some of these creatures 
And then you you do wonder though because we do have manatees. You know, I feel like a lot of no that not that there are manatees yeah. hanging around in Scotland, but you know the other name for manatees is a sea cow. You know, yep. and uh, and manatees though they have been known to. Uh, this is probably a good segue into our my neck of the woods here in Maryland. I'm in Baltimore. That in Maryland we have uh, the Chesapeake Bay has Chessie. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it is our local. So you have Nessie, and then this is Chessie, and there have been sightings of it again. I think every single one of these legends has a most of them. I don't think this one does. I think we were relatively new. We were just like, Hey, we felt left out. So in the seventies, <laughs> we kind of like, you know, Chessie shows up. It's it's earlier than that. Actually, that if you go back, there's a book called weird Maryland. That's really cool. They, they have a whole weird series, but in the, uh, in there, they kind of go all the way back to one of the captains of the ship. There. Yeah. One of the captains of the ship sort of sighting it, and seeing something come out of the water that has a head like a horse, again, uh, about the size of a football and very serpent-like. And you get the idea that if you saw an actual giant serpent sort of coming out of the water, mm-hmm. uh, like even take something like an anaconda, if you saw it from the right perspective, you could almost imagine that have that horse-like head, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that a, a large serpent's head... Uh, particularly if it were coated in something, you know, if it came up with the, with sea debris or this moss or any of that kelp we're talking about on it, that it would look like a mane potentially. You know, there are elements where if I saw something, even those, if you, if you look at the blurry photos of some of these sea creatures from a distance, could that look like some kind of aquatic mammal? If that's my only point of reference. So it does go all the way back. But the thing about Chessie and some of its sightings happened like in the 70s. And then the early 80s, there was actually a video. And I remember them playing it on television, like on one of the news stations, like 81 or 82 it happened. This guy who lived on the edge of the Chesapeake Bay, he ran out with uh, Eastern Shore, I believe, ran out with his uh, cam quarter and try to catch it and of course like most things it's blurry and shaky and inconclusive like yeah when everyone kind of came out to study it they had to say yeah you know what we don't know what this is but it's unlikely that it's a log or a stick but it's not there's not enough support to say this is something out of the ordinary per se yeah i mentioned uh, that to tie in with the manatees because uh, around the same time and in a certain period of time i think between 94 through the mid 2000s we had a couple instances where manatees from florida because they're looking you know for warmer waters they came up this way and there was a manatee who swam a couple times into the chesapeake bay so it would make it you know uh and and visibly that's a manatee we know what that is so it's quite likely that some of these sightings particularly in the case of like the chesapeake bay uh that it could be something like a manatee that has been known to swim from florida all the way up here uh one of the inch most interesting, I think, theories they have is that some of these ships may be in the 1800s docking, say, like in Baltimore or something like that would come up and had pulled up some giant sea snakes and maybe had them in the, in, the, in the hold of the ship. And over time, no one checks them. And these things get out and get into the underground like water system beneath Baltimore. So I like to imagine right. that there are giant sea snakes sort of crawling around. And now, now there's an entire tribe of giant sea snakes somewhere in Maryland <laughs> under the water. Uh, I know we had the snake fish head problem up here back in 2000s. Remember oh, yeah. The snake head. The, I'm sorry. Snake, snake head, head fish. fish. Yeah. Yeah. That became like its own infestation and yep. spawned countless sci-fi movies. That's, but, um, that's like the urban legend about flushing a lizard down the toilet. Yeah. You know, the alligators. Alligator. Exactly right. It's yeah. that, that version instead of giant snakes. Yeah. It's, it's interesting too, because I think one of the five or six, 
sightings. You, you, Maryland, and we're here in Baltimore, maybe no one's surprised that the first thing that one of the you don't normally hear this when you hear about sightings of monsters, but you almost wonder why not is that the first thing someone does is grab a camera and you're sort of like given sometimes the people who see these things, why wasn't the first thing you grabbed the gun? And sure enough, this one guy's like, I'm going to shoot it dead. So yeah, Jesse, one of the, (laughs) go ahead, go ahead. One of the guys who had claimed to have seen Chessie, he shot it. He's like, I don't know. We tried to find the body, but we couldn't get it. So I figured, yeah, okay, our Baltimoreans are shooting at these <laughs> you mythical, know, you know, creatures. Well, you know what's funny to me is is the whole story behind, like, mermaids, you know, had to do with manatees and uh, porpoises. Yes. Though. And, like, how do you – there must have been a lot of drunk-ass <laughs> pirates and shit and things. desperate yeah <laughs> how do you get how do you mistake a, a porpoise for a, a woman you know uh but that's always been funny to me i'm like how drunk you got to be to <laughs> well with seals you can almost see that from a great great distance because of the way they may prop themselves up against a rock that the basic shape might be there you know what i mean yeah and if, yeah and if you've been out to sea for a while maybe an inverted flipper Pointed at the side, looks like some side boob. I don't know. Anything's possible. The eyes on seals, you know, they don't necessarily look like human eyes, but they're very haunted. You know, like again, draped in kelp and something like that. I, no one, hopefully, is going to mistake it for a straight up woman. But the idea that this looks out of the ordinary, uh, and of course, the seals have their own mythology with the selkies. The you know that transformation, Uh where then you get into the. talked about the humanoid element it's sort of the reverse of the kelpie where it comes out of the water and it wants to be a part of the human world and it has to hide its skin anyone who has the skin can sort of control the kelpie or not the kelpie the selkie and if you keep its skin then you sort of have it trapped it can't get back into the ocean has to remain being a human being those are interesting uh mythologies i think you know oh yeah yeah i you know what amazes me about you know you know, like Chessie and the Loch Ness Monster and even Bigfoot and stuff. Is, why the hell are these pictures so damn grainy? You know, I mean, you know, I can take better pictures with my cell phone. But <laughs> well, I, you know, that brings up a very interesting point because when we, I think that, and and maybe I just don't, I'm not, I'm not the cryptid fan to the point where I'm on every single website and keeping up with all the news, you know, about when someone has seen something or uh, witnessed it. But I, I would say in a general sense, the photos and the pictures and everything have dropped off drastically. Wouldn't you say from say the eighties? Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that does a couple things. One is, there's less people out there who can get a hoax over on us now. But at the same time, I think it does suggest that some of these people who ran to grab their camcorder, who ran to grab, who grabbed their phone or their, not their phone, their camera and took a photo of these things were genuine in the sense that they believe they did see something. Mm-hmm. They captured what they could see. But what I suspect is in the time since somebody with this, you know, it is harder to fake a video and then maybe now if I go and grab my phone, I can enlarge it enough and see that, oh, what I did see was a flock of birds. Guess yeah. what? I did actually see a seal, a manatee, a floating right. piece of driftwood. There's the opportunity, and then that person's not going to come forward and say, I just saw, you know, uh, it, Chessie or Nessie or whatever. It's kind of or like... Or they know that we have better technology, so they're just hiding better. 
that's probably it. They developed yeah. a cell phone. You can't go up there anymore. Here's what's going to happen to you, Billy. They're going to grab you <laughs> and haul you to the surface and then drown you on the land because you can't breathe. It's like well, the reverse you know, kelpie. That's, that's a story <laughs> about fishing. People talk about their, ah, I can't remember who it was. Somebody was talking about it. Imagine being a fish. You know, you're swimming along. And all of a sudden, something comes and grabs you out of the water. Yeah. Brings you up out of the water. You're in a different world. Right. You're in a different right. universe. You know? Uh, you can't breathe. Yeah. Like, you know? And then you're killed. And there's a hook. They, <laughs> and then they eat they you. captured you. Um, but they you lured know, you in. It's the exact opposite. Yeah. yeah. Well, they say the uh, same thing with um, uh, these aliens. I go back to this, but it's just because you mentioned the picture thing. Um, with aliens. They're like, well, how come these damn jets haven't got better pictures? I'm like, well, they got good stuff it's just they're moving at 600 700 miles an hour (laughs) i mean um (laughs) there's a try to take your phone that takes excellent pictures and try to take a picture of something moving 700 miles an hour yeah and then you can tell me what you're talking about you know i can't capture my kids smiling how am i supposed to get a picture (laughs) of a bigfoot or a sea monster i mean realistically Uh, yeah absolutely absolutely Mm. so one i want to talk about that is probably I don't know if they still exist, but it definitely was real at one time, um, which could be possibly one around maybe, and that is the Megalodon. Uh, Yes. You know, that one really intrigues me because there very well could be still a giant shark, you know? There could be. Um, Being that we haven't discovered, you know, much of the ocean still. Right. You know? There's a guy you should get on your podcast, Steve. Dalton, the author of of the Meg, uh-huh. um, he's really and that, that might be feasible. I know um, uh, buddies of ours, Real Talk, uh, had Steve Alton on to talk, and uh, I think you. But the Meg, he did the Meg, and his his conceit behind the Meg, which let me put out there, the book is from the '90s, and they were trying to make it in a movie in the '90s, like the late '90s, and then mm-hmm. it was going to be competition with like Deep Blue Sea. It never got made. So when it finally got made, the film that they made, I think, bears more to Sharknado and the Sci-Fi Channel than it does to yeah. the novel itself. I mean, I enjoyed it as a just pure piece of schlock, but when you re- recognize the book, it's based off of the book was really trying to be a fun paperback thriller but it, or, or fun thriller like an airport thriller but at the same time he, he did try to base it in a scientific plausibility the idea that these vents at the bottom of the ocean would be the most likely place to house not a single animal but potentially a whole ecosystem yeah an ecosystem that would look the same as it might have looked in like a in a uh pre-dinosaur stage of, of life might still be that way because in follow-up books, some pretty uh, gnarly things end up coming out of that vent area uh, besides the mag. Uh, Leo Pluridon shows up at one point in the um, in, in the uh, the follow-up books that Alton did. But Alton wrote another one called The Lock. Are you guys familiar with that? Mm-mm. No. It came out in, I think, 2005. I remember because it was a book that I purchased like went on the plane i went at the airport as i was on my way to my honeymoon and we i remember reading it during that time and he basically posits in that one uh he has some pretty interesting ideas for what might what you know this was kind of i don't know after that it was it was a definitively the guy who faked the photos at Loch Ness came out and said, Hey, I faked the photos. Not that faking the photos means anything because there were sightings of this creature well before that famous photo, but yeah. this means the famous photo was faked. But his idea dealing with the idea that maybe there were these giant sort of sea 
uh, snakes or eels that had maybe made their way through certain channels and found themselves stuck in that lock uh, was a was a kind of compelling idea, and he had some interesting concepts there. So his books, for people who love the cryptid stuff, his books are pretty interesting, I think. And I I feel like a megalodon is pretty plausible. You know, mm-hmm. like could could we find a megalodon? I'd be I'd be up for that, just not up for it running yeah. into it myself. Yeah, just, definitely, definitely. Stay so. out of the ocean. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the right. theme of the show, guys, is stay out of the water. Stay out of the water. <laughs> or swim faster although than I, the other guy. Although I do want to do that. There, there is a place where they actually uh, have a a floating projection screen, and they put everybody in inner tubes, oh, yeah. and they let you watch Jaws. We, yeah. I haven't done that in a lake. That would be the ultimate thing to do. I have seen it that way. They showed it on a cruise ship once in the, like right above the pool. So oh, we get to yeah. sit in the pool on the nice. floaties and watch Jaws. And that is a fun way to do that movie. It's, it's a little unnerving, even though, you know, you're on the, you know, you're, you're on a yeah. ship in a swimming pool. Essentially. It's still, it's still fun times. Yeah. Um, Bill said I had to mention the Canadian like monsters. Okay. <laughs> All right. me, are you familiar with Ogopogo? I have heard, I have heard that. That does kind of, yeah. So, weird. Ogopogo is interesting because they have, if you look up in most of these books, the photo they have for Ogopogo is funny because it's a straight up, like it's intent. It's almost like a spoof photograph. The it's about eight or nine guys uh, lined up. Uh, the first guy is standing up in the water, but you can't see his feet. And then the next five guys are bent over. So their backs look like the humps of the, the coils of the sea monster. And the last guy just has his flippers up in the air. And the first guy has a cup of coffee in his hand. So that seems pretty Canadian <laughs> to me. It's, the, that's probably, it's that's, their famous photo. <laughs> that's probably where I heard that from is from Bill. Now that I, yeah. So yes. And there's a couple different, you know, it's not surprising that they have a couple of different lake monsters of them because they have a couple of bigger, Links up that way as well. And in most of those cases, this is what I find fascinating is because there, as we were, it seems like almost all of these lake creatures, and I don't know if it's the snake eating its tail where, uh, (laughs) you know, no pun intended, the serpent eating its tail, but if it's one of those deals where people, you know, the old legends from whatever indigenous people lived in this area, or if they didn't have a particular indigenous people, you know, when explorers first came to this area, there's almost always a sighting. And a lot of people point to that and say, well, here's proof because it's not like you didn't start seeing this thing till the 1950s. You know, people have been seeing this thing. And of course the, I would assume that the expectation is it's not the same monster or the same creature, I should say, but that it's a creature that is, um, a, a, a race or a, a, a tribe of creatures that have just been around and are, are continuing to replicate. The interesting thing is the Ogopogo, which is in Lake Okanagan up in British Columbia, up in Canada. You it's uh, the original, the original name is uh, Niatic, which is like Lake Demon. And that was given to it by the indigenous tribes that were living there at the time. And Ogopogo is funny because then that name technically, because I was telling Bill, I was like, well, do you know the song? He's like, I didn't know there was an Ogopogo song, but <laughs> in the twenties, there is an Ogopogo song. If I can find it and send it to you guys, you guys go put it in the, uh, put it in the episode somewhere. <laughs> we probably, we probably the, find song, it. the song was written in the twenties. Yeah. I have, a, I'll, I found it on YouTube. I'll send it. The song was written in the twenties in 
like England, and then it found its way over here or over in Canada. Some, uh, you know, it, it, at some venue, uh, somebody was kind of playing it, and he realized he's like, oh, I could change the lyrics here and make it fit this lake monster we have. And that's kind of how Ogopogo came to, to, to be. It wasn't the name that was originally given the creature. It actually is derived from this sort of oh, goofy snap. little folk song. Yeah. That <laughs> I um, see how it goes. What's catchy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Although it's the same kind of thing here. They describe its head as looking more like a sheep, but it's that same thing where you have a kind of, a bovine or an equine kind of head. I always think that's interesting that it always, they always look like farm animals, but it's never yeah. a pig. You know, <laughs> you know it's I got a theory out. on that too. Kind of the same thing that I have. It's, it's not really a, it's not a theory in the paranormal world. It's just the way it is. You know, your, 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 your mind, your mind can't make up a face. It can't just pick like make a face up. So you have to have seen it before. We've talked about this before. What do call it? Pixelation. Pixelation. So um, I wonder if that has to do with something like when you see an animal, like it, you, you look at what's most prominent around. So like um, you're going to see something. So if you're around, you know, cows, you know, quite often, if you were to see something that was strange out in the woods, you know, you'd be like, man, it kind of had a cow looking head, you know, or it kind of had a sheep looking head, you know, something that's around your area. I, your mind automatically goes to that. Um, which is weird. You know, I, we go down deep rabbit holes with what the mind does to you, you know, how it makes you see certain things or react to certain things. But, um, to me, I wonder if that's one of the things that has to do with that. If it's just the way that your mind perceives what you're looking at and tries to make sense of it, you know? And I think that's that vicious circle thing where the, the people in the, the early tribes or even in the early 19th century somebody looking at some of these things uh, or even earlier than that you know when you look at the like 1600s or something like that explorers when they see these things the, the initial sightings almost all of them across the board talk about them having the head of a horse or the head of a you know like you said some sort of uh domesticated animal or an animal that's nearby that they yeah. have regular contact with and so that makes total sense for people who didn't have maybe a lot of scientific knowledge and that the only exposure they had were to the animals that they had actually seen and were mm -hmm. around then why does that happen decades and even you know centuries later probably because at that point the myth is ingrained in our head yeah, you know? there you go, the myth yeah. of Loch Ness the myth of Ogopogo that and that's the one thing you know people turn around and say well look it's likely these things were around because look how far back they go uh and yet it you could make the, the the exact opposite case well yeah look how far back they go people already they didn't have to imagine things for themselves they already had a wealth of sort of created ideas you know when I look out there I'm going. I'm looking for a horse-headed thing, or a, a. In this case, with Ogopogo, it's supposed to have a. It, it, it definitely is more of a sea sea snake kind of creature, in the sense that the most famous photo of this, not the one I told you about, with the guy with the guys lined <laughs> up, but the most famous photo is really. Uh, and you guys have probably seen it. It's one of the few that has the actual. You can almost make out the loop or the hump coming up out of the water that mm. I would assume would be the part of the serpent that has risen up, uh, you know, in a, in a hoop form yeah. on the back, like one of the humps of the creature. So I think that's an interesting, when you talk about Ogopogo, Ogopogo was one where the cryptozoologists who have studied it have that kind of suggestion that maybe this is one that could be living in a cave somewhere. 
Uh, it's also the idea would be, and this is you get into the dinosaurs. I think that is interesting that a lot of the, a lot of the depictions of these creatures, the way they've been seen, the way they look like snakes, but they ultimately have more of a look that might be matching up with a plesiosaurus or a basilosaurus or something whale-like. But all those animals, their heads, they all kind of, if you were to see them on land, they maybe would resemble more of like a, uh, a horse or something like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, man, this has been a really good conversation, and uh, I uh, I hate to cut this short, but uh, we've got a got another show coming up that we need to get onto, and uh, with somebody oh, you nice. know. Yeah, with somebody you know. Oh, which one is this? Is this Greg or Dave or Dave? We're, we're doing a show with Dave here. Nice. Uh, What's the topic, or can you tell me? Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll tell you we're uh, we're doing slasher movies, the slasher genre. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. I think Dave will be into that, and, and uh, we're going to get into it. But man, we need to continue this conversation again sometime, though. Yeah, yes, next time. Yeah. Next time we'll talk about some cryptids on land. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Land cryptids. Well, yes. that's where you need to tap Greg Morgan. Greg Morgan is a big. I know he's coming on soon. He's yeah. a big Bigfoot fan. I don't know if you're aware. Nice. But. Nice. He looks like a type, <laughs> but he's he's a big uh, big Sasquatch fan. So yeah, yeah. Well, awesome. Yeah, I had a great time, guys. Yeah. Oh yeah, man, it was man. awesome. Cool um, why don't you uh, let everybody know where they can find you? All your good stuff like that. You and old Bill over there, Phantom Galaxy, and whatnot. Yeah, you can find us on Facebook at Phantom Galaxy. We have a page. We also have. We're starting a group page. It should probably be up. Uh, by the time this podcast is up. And then you can also find us on Twitter, Phantom Galaxy. And, uh, you know, Bill and I are available there. Bill's also available through Land of the Creeps. Uh, he's over there with Greg, uh, Greg Morgan and Dave, uh, Dave Becker. And uh, as for me, yeah, you can find me there. You can find me pretty much uh, anywhere. If you want to get in touch with us at Phantom Galaxy, we're at phantomcast at gmail.com. Send us a message. We are up for uh, talking just about anything. So even even cryptids, we'd be up for doing that. I don't, I don't know. We haven't done any of those episodes in a while, but it would be a lot of fun. And it was a lot of fun just to hang out and talk about this guy. So you're oh, right. Yeah. The uh, There's almost no bottom to some of this stuff, but yeah, I had a fun right, time right. and uh, it would be fun to uh, talk again sometime. Yeah, and definitely. So, definitely. Thanks a lot. Get that set up, man. 100%. Thank you so much for being on the show today, man. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it, guys. Take care. You too, man. See ya.